0: Yeah, that is tremendous, Uh, unbelievable. In fact, I'll I'll share a little bit more about that in a few moments. But uh, we welcome those who are joining us from home and watching online as well. And let me just say this right up front, that the events and the images of this past week i just found very disturbing and it just reminds me of my new year's resolution that we definitely need more of the sun in 2021 he must he must become greater And I must become less. He must increase. And I must decrease. We must decrease. This week also reminded me that you just can't flip the page of a calendar to a new year and expect all the problems to disappear (laughs) There's nothing magical about the ringing in of a new year. Now at the start of the new year, many of us are optimistic and we all have good intentions and we see it as a new start and therefore many of us make a new year's resolution And as I said last week, those New Year's resolutions usually fall under one of three categories. Either they fall under the category of longevity, prosperity, or peace. Longevity. Things that even make us look better. So we lose weight. We we make a resolution that we're going to exercise more. And some say we're going to stop smoking. Longevity. Others form their New Year's resolutions on prosperity. How we're going to have more. This is the year we're going to get out of debt. This year we're going to build a savings. This is the year we're going to get ahead. And usually the other resolution that the categories fall under is that of peace, getting along with one another. This year I'm going to be more patient, more loving, less judgmental, so that we can get along with one another a little better and and have peace. And as I'm sure most of you are all aware of, the conflict happens when the New Year's resolution collides with the old year habits. This year, our network office asked ministers to join them on a 21-day fast. Now, it's not possible for me to fast 21 days and also go about my normal work business. But I decided I would fast one meal a day. Well, Friday, January 1st, I was home. That was real simple. During lunchtime, I just went up and I studied and I prayed. Saturday was no problem. I just took the morning and skipped breakfast and prayed extra and had lunch then with Heather and dinner. Sunday last Sunday was no big deal. I had breakfast. I was here until about two thirty after service with a, another service, and then I I went home and had a late lunch. And when it came supper time, I just went up into my den and prayed. But then the work day came, the work week came, and Monday. And when you're back at work, all of a sudden I realized that a lot of my eating habits and a lot of my picking is all because of stress. So you realize that the old habits now collide with the New Year's resolution and we're at war. Oh, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And oh, what a wretched man I am, as Paul says. And we have good intentions. But you know, as Christians, we have an advantage. Did you know that? When it comes to our New Year's resolutions, we have an advantage The Bible says we have a paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the Holy Spirit, the counselor and the comforter who can help us in our changes, who can help us in our transformation, who can help us in our good intentions. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the guidance and the comfort of the Holy Spirit that in my weakness, I can rely upon him now. It's more than just willpower. It's our discipline and willpower, but transforming powers only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And boy, we need a change. We need to look to the Holy Spirit in helping us in all of our good intentions. Now last week, I gave you the Proverbs challenge. There's 31 days in January. There are 31 Proverbs. And we're reading a proverb today. I don't know if you've read Proverbs 10 today, but such verses as, He who wins souls is wise. We can never lose sight of that. And as I gave this proverb challenge, each day we read a proverb. I gave this, and I want to share it again for those who were not here, because, uh, Bobby, you texted me this week. You, you texted me on Monday. Hey, what was that uh, 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 Bible site again? And, and Larry Magloney on Wednesday, you showed me that, that this made an impact upon you and Jackie, and, and you showed me the Gateway Bible. But if, if you don't read the Bible on a daily basis, this is a good way to start off the new year reading a Proverbs a day, and you say, well, I may not have time, or I'm not a good reader, and that's why I showed last week, all you Google search is Bible Gateway. It comes to this screen. You can type in uh, uh, Proverbs 10, or or you type in Proverbs 1, and then you hit the return, and it will give you Proverbs, and then on that little icon, that's a speaker. You press right on that, and before you know it, It just so happens in the NIV, Max uh, McLean will start reading Proverbs chapter 1, and it takes all of 3 minutes and 12 seconds to listen. The longest proverb will take you 3 minutes and 36 seconds. I know yesterday I sat down in my den and I listened for 1 minute and 51 seconds, Proverbs chapter 9. So let me just say this. If you don't have 4 minutes a day to listen to a proverb, then your life is way too busy or you just don't have a proper priority. Last week, we looked at Proverbs chapter 3. And as we long for prosperity, longevity, and peace, Solomon says in chapter 3, there are ten principles, there are ten principles New Year's resolutions, that if you really want longevity, prosperity, and peace, here are ten principles to apply to your life. And last week, we looked at the first three. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not be wise in your own eyes. And as I said, I gave a warning last week that these principles are easy to talk about. But when you try to apply them, as we learn this week, they become very difficult. So now we're on number four, principle number four. Now, this principle is very simple. But it's the one that's probably the most resisted. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, whenever a pastor starts talking about money, people get upset. He's after I'm, I'm. No, I'm not. Or they start thinking, oh, no. The beginning of a new year, the pastor's talking about money. We must have had a really bad year last year. Well, I don't need to say any more, but did you see missions last month? And that was a reflection of the whole year. We, considering it was COVID, we had an outstanding year. I'm only talking about money because the fourth principle is honor the Lord with your wealth. And I don't know if you know it or not, but the money is a topic that's often talked about in the Bible. In fact, Paul says to Timothy... In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, he says these words to Timothy. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it doesn't say money is evil. But the love of money. And the problem is, we love our money so much that we have a problem with honoring the Lord. Because we want to hold on to it. This principle, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, really begins with tithing. Tithing is when you take 10% of your income and you give it to the Lord. Now, we see this principle in Scripture where it started before the law. Some people say, well, tithing is an Old Testament principle. No, it took place before the law. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 20, we see Melchizedek, Abram, coming to the, the chief priest, Melchizedek, and Abram, who now we know him as Abraham, Gave Melchizedek the priest one tenth of everything he had. And it's a principle that we see that runs throughout scripture. So when it says honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits, I believe it's the principle that you give of your first fruits, which is a tenth. It's a principle. Now when it says honor the Lord with your wealth, when you make Jesus Christ, your Lord. He becomes Lord over all. He becomes master. And the way I see it is I don't own everything. Everything I have is God's. Therefore, he's just asked me to be a faithful steward of what he has given to me. And as a faithful steward of what he has given to me, I am going to honor that with what he's asked in giving 10% back. Honestly, I don't know if you know this or not. I've said it many times. But as an Assembly of God minister, I don't even have a choice. I have to. We are required to give three quarters, 75% of our 10% to the network office. And if we don't, they take our ordination card away from us. This is a principle, and I, I want to bring balance here because it's a principle that says if you honor God with your wealth, he will supply you with everything you need. In November, our church wrote a check for twenty six thousand dollars for missions eight thousand in monthly support ten thousand for wells eight thousand for convoy of hope twenty six thousand dollars in november went out for missions i don't think it's a coincidence that god gave us two 217 uh, percent in missions revenue for that month Because there's a principle in God's Word that says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And there may be some here that don't know the whole uh, uh, history behind the building you're sitting in right now. But in March of 2013... Our, we had an annual business meeting in the old building in the old sanctuary, and this congregation unanimously approved a budget of $1.6 million for a building project. At that time, 18 years after I had come, 18 years, when I looked at that $1.6 million budget for a new building program, I realized that in 18 years, our church had given just about. million to missions. And when you take, it's almost to a T. And I believe that when we opened the doors in June of 2015, and we only owed $60,000, that's God saying, when you sow generously, you will also reap generously. And a couple years later, we had the building paid for. You see, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You just can't outgive God. Now, let me also, um, I, you can, I think this is due to our secretary, Hope. She, she said the other day, you know, you should preach on giving. <laughs> Remember, Hope? I said, oh, it's coming. But let me bring balance as well. Because this is something, it's between you and the Lord, and the Lord has to convict you. Because we also read in Scripture, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Between you and God. Principle. Principle number five. Oh, man. These principles get harder as we go, and this is not one that we like so much. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. You know that I'm a man of routine, and I have my routines, and don't take me out of my routines. I have my order. And one of the things I do at night, when I go to bed at night, my prayer consists of this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. If there be any wicked way in me. And before I go to sleep at night. I always ask God to forgive me of the sins. That I am aware of. That took place that day. That's just. I've done that for years. And then I used to pray this prayer. And Lord. Forgive me of the sins that I'm not even aware of. Because. Man, I, I just wanted to have a clean slate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and one day, the Lord goes, what's up with, forgive me of the sins I'm not even aware of? Don't you want to be accountable? Don't you take, want to take responsibility? And the Lord just impressed upon my heart to change that prayer. Instead of, Lord, forgive me of the sins I'm not even aware of, I changed it to this. And, Lord... Make me aware of the sins I was not even aware of. Wow. Do you know what you're inviting the Lord to do then? (laughs) Slap you around a little bit. And as you're sitting there trying to go to sleep and all of a sudden this comes up, this comes up. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Now, how does the Lord discipline? We read in the book of Hebrews, hardship as, endure, har, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? How many know that discipline can come through in all different ways? And then you have the writer, James, who says this. Consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Why? Because it goes on to say that perseverance must finish its course so that you may be complete, mature, not lacking in anything. Now, I believe this is a mindset. When it says consider, you have a choice. You can consider it either joy or you can become bitter with the trials of your life. They can either make you better or they can make you bitter. And it's God's design for them to make you better. So therefore, the trials that come your way, instead of being bitter, look to them as being better. Instead of resenting them, look at them as a way of purifying. It's all a mindset. God disciplines those whom he loves. And you might be sitting out there and saying, boy, if that's true, then God must really love me. It's all mindset. Hey. My prayer for this new year, if there needs to be more of him and less of me, how do you think God's going to show how much ego I have? So therefore, you welcome and you're not bitter. You don't see them as a punishment. You see the trials purifying. So there will be less and more of him. Well, principle number six says, find wisdom and preserve it. Find wisdom. Now, this is a longer portion, but I just want to make you aware of that in the book of Proverbs, there are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Four poems from Lady Wisdom. The first one is found in chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. The next one's found here. Now, if you were really confused on Friday and Saturday, reading chapters 8 and chapter 9, they are poems from Lady Wisdom, where wisdom is uh, poetically personified as a woman. Now, with that understanding, let me read this and explain. If wisdom is personified as a woman, let's listen, blessed is he who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding for she, meaning wisdom, wisdom personified as a woman, for wisdom is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. What is it saying? Wisdom is very valuable. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Long life is in wisdom's right hand. In her wisdom's left hand are riches and honor. You're starting to see how it makes it a little bit easier when you read that wisdom is personified as a woman. Wisdom's ways are pleasant ways. And all wisdom's path are peace. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who embrace her wisdom. Those who lay hold of wisdom will be blessed. You can see it once again. Starts making a little bit more sense. By wisdom, the Lord laid the entire foundation and understanding. He set heavens in place. By his knowledge and the deeps were divided and the clouds of dew dropped dew. My son... Preserve. Now, what is wisdom? We get a little insight as to what wisdom is. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment, wisdom. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then, here's the probability, then you will go on your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I've been reading through the book of Kings. And actually in February, I might start doing a series on the book of Kings. Of, because I believe Kings has a lot to say to us about a nation. Of what we need to do as a nation at this time. But going back. In 1 Kings chapter 3. David hands the throne over to his son Solomon. And there we find Solomon at Gibeon offering up a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. And as he's offering burnt offerings to the Lord, the Lord appears to Solomon, just this young little kid, now going to be the king of Israel. And the Lord says to Solomon, ask whatever it is, of me, and I will give it to you. Ask whatever of me, and I will give it to you. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were president elect, and the Lord appeared to you right now at this time, and the Lord says, I will give to you whatever you ask, what would you ask for? For me, it's real simple for the Jets to win the Super Bowl next year. (laughs) And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, that's impossible. God does miracles. Come on. But what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? We always think wisdom is that of knowledge, but wisdom is more than knowledge. The Hebrew word for wisdom, chakmah, means more than just mental ability. And we see this in first, in Exodus 31, where God conveyed to Moses about building the tent of meetings, the tabernacle. And this is what the Lord said to Moses. See, I have chosen Belzeal, son of Uriah, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, in the NIV, it takes this Hebrew word for wisdom, um, and it makes it the word skill, ability, and knowledge. God has given this one, skill, ability, knowledge, to make the furniture, the furnishings, in the tabernacle, so behind this word wisdom, it's not the just the gaining of. Behind this word wisdom, it's not just the gaining of knowledge, but this word means activity. So I see wisdom as the ability to act on knowledge. The ability to act on knowledge. Well, where do we get knowledge from? We get knowledge from reading God's word. We get knowledge from uh, godly counsel. We get knowledge through experience. So it's through our experience. It's through our Bible reading. It's through godly counsel. It's through all these years that we fill our data bank with knowledge. Wisdom is acting upon the knowledge that we have acquired. That's wisdom. Wisdom. And we're to find wisdom. And we're to preserve it. It's the, it's, it's acting on that which we know. And the last principle, boy, is this not a good one for this week. Have no sudden fear. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruins that overtake the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. That Hebrew word for snared literally means to be overtaken, to be captured, to be trapped. The word literally means to be taken by force. And what's the probability here? The probability is if the Lord is our confidence, if our trust is in the Lord, then we have no fear of sudden disasters. We have no fear of being overtaken. Now today, I don't know if you've read your Bible, uh, or last yesterday in, in our Bible reading we reread this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I don't understand if we're to have no fear, but if the fear of the Lord, well, it's different. To fear the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, is not terror. This, this fear here is terror. Don't be terrorized of sudden disaster. What is the fear of the Lord? For me, the fear of the Lord... Is to have a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God. A healthy sense of reverence and awe for God. And to know our place among him. It's a moral mindset that says. The fear of the Lord is a moral mindset that says. We are not God. Therefore we do not determine what's right and wrong. What's good or evil. A healthy fear of the Lord has that mindset that God's word, God determines what's good and what's right, what's wrong and what's evil. And we embrace and submit to it. When we embrace and submit to the rights and wrong, to the good and evil, and see God With an awesome reverence and fear, along with a trust. The probability says you're not gonna be captured, you're not gonna be trapped. I will watch over you. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Have no fear. Don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Find wisdom and persevere it. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Jesus. Jesus. Shall we stand? As we bring this service to a close. Boy, I know that now we have seven of the ten. And I'm trying on a daily basis along with he must become greater and I must become least. For this year, I'm trying to read and look over these ten principles every day. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Man, it's so easy to give our opinions and our oh, I'm tired of it. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Come on. Honor the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Have no fear. Would you sing Along with Pastor Bonnie, God will make a way. God,
1: God will make a
0: choice there if my people who are called by a name will what? Humble themselves seek turn from their wicked ways and seek my face Boy, may this be a week that we humble, seek the face of God. May we continue to turn from our wicked ways. Because, Lord, we need you to hear us. Blessed and holy name we pray. And all of God's children said, amen. God bless you.